Hey, it's Pete. A familiar voice, hopefully. Uh, anyway, I want to take a quick moment to highlight the amazing work of the team here at Your Money Line. A few years ago, we noticed this weird, nasty trend that people had financial questions, they had challenges, they had this missing piece to their financial puzzle, and they weren't getting the answers. So then they get stuck, they get paralyzed, and they wouldn't take action, and their financial life would meander and loiter in a bad place. So that's why we created this place. Uh, we have an employee benefit company, and it's called Your Money Line, and that's what it does. We help companies succeed by improving the financial lives of their most valuable asset. Not their break room, their employees. Everything we talk about is confidential. And you get access to a certified financial expert to get all your money questions answered, big or small. That's your money line. So bring your money line to your company. Check us out at yourmoneyline.com or any of the social networks you happened to deal with on a regular basis. Good day to you. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. First show of the new year. We took a uh, week off to revel. I don't know. When I say we, I mean not just me because I've got a large ego and I need to say we. There's others. And by others, I mean one. And that one other person is Damian Dunn, my brother from another mother with the same last name, oddly enough. Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line. Damien, congrats on the promotion, my friend. Hey, now. Listen to that, vice president. The funny thing is we were recording our last show of the year last year, and we were having our review, pardon me, your review later that day where I was going to give you your promotion. And I almost, in recording the show, was going to tell you on air, but then that felt a little gauche, so I decided not to do it. Anyway, congrats, well earned. Uh, how you doing? Good year? Things are good? Yeah, so far this year's been uh, been pretty good. So uh, we'll see if we can keep that going through today's episode. Fantastic. No one cares. All right. So Dame, uh, this show works uh, by people emailing us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. If they have questions about IRAs, their 409ks, whatever, they email us and we answer those things. Dame, the first question is from a gentleman by the name of Christopher. And the subject line is IRA, mutual fund, mortgage question. Dear Pete. I have a scenario I was looking for a second opinion on. I have a wealth management advisor. I Could you feel me do the air quotes on that, Dame? Yeah, there was a nice little inflection there. And then he names the company, which is primarily just everyone knows, a life insurance company. Uh, it's not that I don't trust them. I just think they might be inclined to have me keep as much money as possible with them. Uh, is this a good, appropriate platform to ask a somewhat simple question for some free financial advice uh so dame you know oddly enough we got this question a lot over the last 15 years and so much so that we're going to answer that question for this gentleman today but that's also why we're launching our consumer service in february honestly as yeah, a nice little tie in there i don't really want to use this show to promote our business despite the fact that that's you know probably a good idea. I'm not going to do it. We're going to mention it from time to time because we'd be silly not to uh, extend the, the branch. But here's the thing. Dame, as you know, we are launching Hey Money in February. Hey Money is a uh, access to financial experts to help you solve your financial problems. The average consumer will pay about $200 a year to have access to an expert whenever they want. 
And that expert will help guide their financial life for questions like mortgage questions or uh, non-specific investment questions. We can answer IRA questions. We might not tell you exactly what to put in the IRA, but we can help you understand whether you get a Roth or a traditional, those sorts of things. Dame, there's a giant gap in the financial world where people aren't able to access really smart people to help them with very basic things. So therefore they don't do anything and are paralyzed with inaction. Absolutely. And you know, this, uh, this situation here for Chris, uh, he's working with somebody right now, but he wants to check and uh, just bounce it off somebody else and see if they, he can get an unbiased opinion on what is being suggested or man, maybe just he wants to go a different way and see if there's any, uh, any credibility to it. So that's stuff that we are happy to do. We love to do it. We do it all the time and we are uh, perfectly fit for this type of role. Yeah, it's. I like to explain it this way. Uh, if you think about our financial lives and the questions we have in our financial lives and the complexity of those questions and conundrums on a scale of one to ten, right? One being, how do I freeze my credit? Or you know, maybe one is, I don't have a budget. And ten is, I have so much money, I'm trying to hide it with proper estate planning. Or uh, should I get into a hedge fund because I'm an accredited investor? If that's the if that's the spectrum of questions and complexities, um, we believe the financial planning and investment management industry has done a wonderful job of serving people who are at complexities and questions eight through ten. And we believe that there is a giant gap uh, of <laughs> questions left unanswered and complexities left un explored one through seven. And the reason we created Hey Money launching in February is to specifically serve people one through seven. And it is our belief that financial advisors aren't equipped slash shouldn't have to slash don't want to deal with one through seven because they are trained to deal with eight through 10. And Damien, it has taken me 15 years to figure out how to do this. And you've been in the financial industry a very long time uh, there's a very simple reason why financial advisors don't necessarily deal with one through seven. What what has been your experiences to that? Absolutely. Yeah, they they can't do it because, well, as you know, and I know, running a successful business is difficult enough, let alone trying to um, help people that really need the, the help. So, um, these types of questions, the one through seven questions, uh, often get overlooked or bypassed by financial advisors because, well, they're trying to run a business and those aren't the types of questions that they can make money on answering. People sometimes are like, well, I don't get it. Well, here's the thing. I've written 400 newspaper columns about one through seven. I've written 10 books about one through seven. I've done 11 years of radio about one through seven. And so one through seven is most people's needs. If you've listened to this radio show more than just today, if you've listened to this podcast more than just today, all we ever talk about is one through seven because that's the vast majority of people's financial concerns. So uh, at least for this episode, Dame, I'm going to stop talking about this, but I will say this. So one last thing, and then I'm going to stop talking about it. If you want to be one of the first people to be able to sign up for Hey Money, go to PeteThePlanner.com slash Hey Money. That's not Hey as in horses. That is Hey as in H-E-Y, money, all one word. PeteThePlanner.com slash Hey Money. Sign up for the, the launch list. 
The launch list is the only way you can access Hey Money for the first couple of weeks. We are not launching to the public. We're launching to this list, and it launches in early February. Dame, anything you want to add before I end what felt like a commercial but really is just an exposure of uh, what the financial industry has been lacking? No, I was just waiting for uh, Ron Popeil to come out and uh, maybe launch into a, a, an extended version of this uh, not commercial. It's tough. Again, I, I have in 11 years of doing radio, I've made it my point. I started the show so that I never said, call me on Monday. My, my biggest pet peeve about financial radio sure. is, uh, all right, the next question is from Jimmy. You know, Jimmy, give us a call at 1-800 and we'll take care of you on Monday. Set up a free appointment. Like, I don't want to do that. I've never wanted to do yeah. that and I've never done it. And so for us to talk about, Hey money is, uh, admittedly a little awkward because people aren't used to us talking about, Hey, just give us a call or shoot us an email. Like it as a client, right? We will for years, we've helped people for free, but now we're giving people to a chance to formalize that relationship. So let's go ahead and answer the best we can. Uh, Christopher's question as it relates to this. Uh, yes, you can go to your wealth advisor and you can ask them those questions um, about mortgages and all that. I want everyone to talk to a financial expert about their mortgage or IRA questions. But if you are questioning whether that person has your best interest in mind, then there's a reason why you specifically are questioning that particular person. I'm not here to say that all financial advisors don't have your best interest in mind, but if you're asking yourself that question about your relationship with that person, Dame, don't you think that is a, a specific sign that you have some sort of magical intuition? Yeah. I mean, we've all got that little voice inside of us. Sometimes it speaks louder than others, but if, uh, if you are questioning the motives of the person you're working with, yeah, maybe it's time to take a step back and reevaluate things and make sure that the relationship is beneficial for you primarily and not just the advisor you're working I with. I remember when I was a teen and young adult and I would go to my dad and ask him some sort of question, whether it be some sort of philosophical or ethical question. He would often say to me, the mere fact that you're asking the question already gives you the answer. And so I think that's the same case with this email. So Dame, coming up after the break, no more mention of Hey Money, beattheplanner.com slash Hey Money. And uh, we will answer more financial questions. we got lots of current events and talking, of course, 409Ks. This is the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. back on the Pete the Planner show first show of the year Dame do you have a you, you did say you're well things are good you got a promotion uh you how is your 409k balance at the end of last year do you get 80 70 90 percent returns I, at least 90 percent maybe maybe even more but my 409k cleaning up are we to talk about the 409k thing or not are we just gonna let it go I, what's there really to say I mean 409ks are everybody's best investment vehicle all right, Dame. So uh, a couple of weeks ago in the IBJ, I wrote a column about, you know, wrapping up the decade. And I don't want to get too involved into, is this the end of a decade or the beginning of a decade? Like people, you know, want to argue about the 2020 thing. I don't care. I'm calling it the end of the decade. And I'm curious, I, I was sitting back thinking, I was writing this column. I want to know, I want to be able to predict how much money I should target having 10 years from today. And so what I did is I created two weird little formulas to help people figure out how much money they will have, what their goal should be, asset goal, 
10 years from today. So Damon, you said you have not read this particular piece, so I can walk you through it and you can beat it up on the benefit for the benefit of our dear listener. All right, let's do it. All right, Dame, there's two numbers we need to know here, right? We need to know uh, how much your current assets will be worth and then how much your future contributions will be worth in 10 years. Uh, mm-hmm. you, correct? Yeah. I'm, I'm. Are you going with a static uh, rate of return or are you going to allow for a, a difference in that? I am going with and my particular formula is going for 8% average for both. Okay. Okay. And so, and let's, you know, you're allowed to disagree with me. Are you okay with that? Or would you prefer a different number? Um, 8% okay. I think for, for most people, um, you know, we could argue that might be better to be a little bit more conservative, but let's roll with eight. It'll make for flashier numbers. Okay. So everyone's going to do this uh, alongside of us here. So if you're listening via podcast, hit the pause button. It looks like, uh, two parallel lines. I don't know. So it's uh, an equal sign. Sideways equal sign. Oh, sideways. An upright okay. equal sign. All right. Uh, okay. Everyone in your mind, add up all of your retirement assets. So don't add in your home equity and don't add in your savings account. I want your retirement, your long term assets. All right. So Dame, I, w- I want you to do this too. And obviously I'm not going to have you give your number out, but are you, uh, are you there? I'm, I'm, I got it. I'm, okay, I'm you have a number. I have a number. Okay. I want you to take that number. Everyone take your total number of retirement assets. Go to your calculator. You have your calculator up? I didn't know there was going to be math. Come on. This is important. All right, here we go. And I want you to multiply your number times 2.22. You got your, got it. you got it. Got it. Yep. That is what your assets will be worth eight or 10 years from today at an average 8% rate of return. Okay. And so as you, as you think about that, uh, I'm just, I'm curious as to your, your, your reaction. You see that number at first glance, does it feel slash seem realistic to you? I mean, it does to me, but I, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the right person to ask because we're familiar with, uh, compounding interest and the time value of money and all that fun stuff. So I, I can see how this would be very surprising for some folks. Uh, but to me, it, it seems reasonable. Yeah. What do you say to the folks who you often hear? And I often hear who say, I get that that my money's supposed to more than double every 10 years, but it never does. What do you say to those folks? How come I can never double my money in 10 years? How do you, how do you react to that? Cause I have an answer. I'm just curious as to yours. Oh, so uh, the reason that typically happens is because of investor behavior that's happening inside of it, uh, the accounts that, that's going on. So maybe you get nervous at some point and you, you change your investments around or, uh, um, you do something, um, that's you know, maybe unadvisable for, for whatever reason. And you hamstring yourself because you, you change something up inside of that that could be preventing you from uh, getting that return that you want. Even just being out of the market for a handful of days could really hamper getting that average 8% return or just your return in general. So um, I would 
try and find a way to delicately, delicately discuss investor behavior at that point? You know, what's really funny is when people ask that question and then like you, I answer it the way you just did. Uh, you're basically saying it's your fault. Yeah. I mean, if you look at industry research and there are gobs of it on this topic about what the market's return versus what the average investor realizes in their accounts. Huge gap. Um, huge gap. It's a huge gap. I like 5% difference usually in some cases, um, which if we're talking 8%, now you're down to inflation essentially, which is exactly what we're talking about here. And it's because you are either allocated incorrectly or you made some moves that that did not benefit you, even though you thought they were going to be what's in your best effort or your best uh, best interest, I should say. And this brings us back, actually, in a weird way, back to advisors because advisors can prevent you from doing things that will inadvertently hurt you in the long run. So um, we're not going to dwell here too long. But yeah, sometimes you're your own worst enemy as an investor. So if uh, you just took your long-term assets that you have set aside right now and you multiplied by 2.22, then that's what I believe you will have 10 years from now. Now, Dame, what we also need to do is we need to calculate how much you will have set aside plus the interest off of that, plus the earnings off of that, of your current and future income over those same 10 years. Now, this was a little trickier of a calculation I came up with, but I'm going to show it to you all the same. So, Dane, what I need you to do, I need you to take your current income, your, your salary, if you will. If you want to put a bonus in there, feel free. And I need you to multiply that number by 2.28 on your calculator. Multiply that number by 2.28. So my annual salary yep. plus whatever bonus that I'm contractually obligating you to pay me. That's right. Times 2.28. Okay. Got it. Um, now, here's here's what I can't do with this particular formula. I'm not accounting for raises. Dame, this is not where this is not me telling you you're not getting a raise for the next 10 years. But in order to try to come up with these sort of sort of formulas, I can't just assume a person gets a 3% raise. It just doesn't work that way. But what I'm sure. saying is, if you just take the product of the number you just came up with and add it to the other one, I believe that to be your asset total 10 years from today. So to recap, take your long-term investments that you have right now, multiply by 2.22. Then take your current income right now, current annual income, and multiply by 2.28. And whatever that number is, add it to your asset number. And that is what I believe you to have in 10 years. What do you think about the number you came up with? I'm trying to figure out the salary times 2.28. I'm trying to figure out that. that uh, You're trying to uh, figure out the rationale. magic behind it? It's a yeah. 15% contribution. It's a 15% gross contribution of your income okay. to your. And so, you know, with your situation or people who have a two income household it is obviously helpful <laughs> to to calculate mm -hmm. it that way as well. But I believe uh, on average, the average person should be putting about 15% of their take uh, gross pay, their uh, pre-tax pre-benefit pay away for retirement. And that also includes, by the way, their employer contributions. They could put in 11 and their employer could put in four or whatever, but the gross mm -hmm. is 15. And that's how I came up with that, uh, that uh, 2.28. Interesting, huh?
That is took me a while. You spent some time with spreadsheets this break, didn't uh, you? More than I told you, I wasn't going to work, and then I then you and I texted about spreadsheets. So go figure. All right, Dame. Coming up after the break, uh, we're going to take some questions. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. This is the Pete the Planner Show, and I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame got a question from a guy named Eric. Dear Pete, I probably know the answer, but any input is appreciated. Um, oh, the subject line I read your Yahoo article about two checking account- accounts. Yahoo? Uh, USA Today somehow pushes my articles to Yahoo, and it, I don't know, man. Okay. I don't, I don't even try to understand it anymore. I'm going to be honest. I got, uh, I have an off the air story for you later. <laughs> Um, all right. I went through a three and a half year divorce that was finalized. Oh, I'm reading an email. Mm. I went through a three and a half year divorce that was finalized in August of 2018. I'm going to call a quick time out here. Dame, what's a three and a half year divorce? Is it what I think it is? I'm hoping somebody was in a coma for a while and they just couldn't sign paperwork. That's dark. I wouldn't even have said that. Um, three and a half year divorce. That sounds awful. Yeah. That three and a half year divorce probably took five years off your life. How many, how long do you think a marriage is if you have a three and a half year? What if you had like a one year marriage and a three and a half year divorce? Would that mean you'd have a four and a half year marriage? That it's true. I'm, I, I sounds like we're making fun of this and we probably are, but I feel bad. That's awful. It's sorry. No, I'm sorry. Would, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. No, right. Oh, anyway, I remarried and no guy went back to the well. Ugh. I remarried in November of 18. My wife and I have worked together since 2009. I'm starting to do some math. Uh, We did not do a prenuptial because we have a similar financial situation after splitting my assets and my divorce. Um, Wouldn't that have been splitting our assets? We are both 42 years old. Same. Together, we have made 1.25 to 1.9 million a year since 2012. By the way, this also explains the three and a half year divorce. Yeah. All of a sudden, it becomes clear. <laughs> okay. All right. I love this. All right. Mm, where I lost my place. Um, before we started our personal relationship in 2016, in my eyes, she was not good with her money. Explanation she made 500 to 750 a year, but the only assets she had were some real estate investments. Uh, I had her do with me and $150,000 in her checking accounts. She would spend money on nannies, extra cars, $75,000 sport uh, court in our backyard. Man, this is a good email. Uh, and she has a closet of designer clothes, 40 Louis Vuitton purses. Ever since we have been personally together, she can completely she has completely changed. Her spending is nothing. Now she has bought no purses, shoes. She's selling her Lexus and Infinity to buy a GMC. Uh, and she barely buys any clothes, trying to figure out what to do. In the past year, I've grown my assets and done multiple investments by $500,000 plus. I've asked if she would like to add money or participate, participate, but she doesn't want to take on the risk. Between her checking accounts, she has at least $500,000 of cash. We each have a true net worth of about three to $3.25 million. My problem is that I know she doesn't really want to work. Neither do I at my job either. We combined really only to have uh, 
I don't know what that says. Anyway, the industry our work is in will slowly go away with technology over the next 10 years. I continue to buy and invest in commercial properties and finance flippers. My net worth will continue to go up more every year, but I now she will eventually level off. Together with five kids in private school and 12 weeks vacationing, we spend about $300,000 a year. In five years, I see myself having an $8 million net worth, and she may have a $4 million net worth. She has three kids. I have two, all between 17 to 12 years old. Underneath, I just say, first world problems. Do you have thoughts about our situation? Hmm. Yeah. Man. What? I mean, that's some stuff, bro. Yeah. What say you? It, it was just like, uh, thank you. Uh, it's every, every turn was even more of a head scratcher. I, I'm really curious as to the complete 180 on the behavior change of his wife. You know, okay. I have a theory on that. And, and by the way, that's the first time I've read that email. So a lot of times when we do the show, I, I don't like to preview the email because I want to react as everyone else is. I have a theory. I, I think that she probably went through clearly a, a, a divorce. that was a nasty divorce, mm-hmm. a, a come to Jesus moment. If you went, uh, if you want. And I think, I think she came to her senses. I think she had the opportunity to turn over a new leaf and she did. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, he gives us a, a amount that he spends each year, 300 K for five kids in private school, plus, you know, vacations and, and on and on and on. Um, that number is going to get smaller. Um, but not probably as quickly as <laughs> is what they might like. Cause you know, college is around the corner for five kids. And if they're in private school, they're going to, you know, they're going to have to pay for the college for their kids. They're not going to get any kind of aid, um, but that number will get smaller naturally. So the question to me is, how long are the jobs they have actually going to be there versus uh, the the length of time they're going to run these these expenses? That's wild, right? Yeah, I- because if I mean, let's say let's say private school is running. And we have no idea what, where they're at or, or, uh, what school they're in. But I mean, private school in my neck of the woods can go anywhere from six grand a year to about 23 grand a year. Um, and so they could, they could have a hundred grand in private school costs easily. Well, he said for high school. Well, he's, oh yeah. He said that between vacations and private school, they're paying 300 a year. Oh, I thought. My mistake. I thought all of their expenses in total were three hundred a year, uh, not just the I'll vacations read that in the part school. Again. Uh, okay. Together with five kids in private school and twelve weeks vacationing, we spend about three hundred thousand dollars a year. And I, 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 I think that's their total okay. expenses. I think you're right. It's total expenses, not just private school and vacation. But I, no, I think that's everything. I think that's everything. You know. I think if nothing else, this situation illustrates that no matter your income level, you still have to budget. People seemingly have all the money in the world, yet the reality is there's still some scarcity. Now, you could judge them for doing it differently than you do, uh, but there's really no 
practicality in that. I mean, you can still learn something from the situation. Yeah, I'm in this case, I totally agree. A budget would be fantastic, but they are. You know, he anticipates their jobs going away. Uh, I don't know if he's got a, a, a good handle on how far away that time is, but now you start to work backwards. Okay, we want to have this type of lifestyle. We anticipate it's going to cost us this much. Uh, we're going to need to save or have saved by this point of whatever nest egg that looks. And you're going to have to determine how that money needs to be saved. And clearly, you, you can't do it all in 401ks uh, for multiple reasons or IRAs. So um, are you going to fund that? that need that monthly cash flow need with more commercial properties the the this gentleman is is currently investing in are you going to do it with some stocks uh, how how are you going to get to that point you need to start by working backwards figure out the type of lifestyle you want how much is it going to cost to keep you there and then work backwards i agree i i feel like how much longer are they going to be spending at that level and then whatever it levels out to be once the kids are out of school just making sure that, that the assets can generate that level of income in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Or they can uh, go learn to drive a truck, I guess. What percentage of our listeners will only take away, must be nice, from this situation versus eh, there's something to be learned there? What percentage will take away negative things as opposed to positive things? way too many because this this could very easily be a blue collar family that uh is uh, truck drivers and there's a lot of upheaval in that industry right now so if you think that you may be out of a job in the near future or that you know maybe not the near future but a little ways down the road start thinking about what that next step is. people it's funny people love to see people at low income levels get a second chance but they really don't extend that same sort of empathy towards people at a higher income level receiving a second chance but Anyway, thanks for the email. Interesting. Um, Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and the news. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week, the bomb right here on the Pete the Planner show. Ew. All right, Dan. Um, The Keep Secure Stash Box. Most cannabis storage solutions are far from discreet. And even more tasteful options lack security. Keep delivers on both fronts. Its sleek design looks more like an alarm clock than a stash box. It even has an LED display to show the time and outdoor temperature. The interior has a built-in scale, clear containers to keep things organized, and temperature and humidity monitors. A companion app allows for secure locking, unlocking, and monitoring of all the box of the box over Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. A rechargeable battery lets it travel with ease, and a hermetic uh, seal keeps any odors at bay. It's $199. <laughs> well. Is that my computer fan blowing? Is that what that noise is? I don't know. Yeah. So, man, boy, I, have like the, I have the loudest fan on the planet. That's fun. That makes for good radio. That's well, ambient noise. Uh, so everyone, we're landing an airplane right now. We're doing the, doing the uh, segment from our private jet. Dame, okay, here's the thing with a drug hiding box. 
<laughs> um, I have a lot of questions because this is not particularly my culture. Um, one, would you put a CBD cream in this box too? Like, I, I don't know. Do you like if I have a CB, CBD lip balm, do you put that in the stash box? No. Okay. Stop. Also, oh no, I'm okay. So I'm, I'm actually kind of serious. Why would I need a stash box? Let's say I had the drugs. I was into the drugs. Why would I need a stash box? You got kids, don't you? You want to be a responsible drug owner. They don't know where the lighters are, though. You think they don't know where the lighters are? So you My think son- a stash box... Okay, a serious question. A stash box, in your estimation here, is if you have the drugs and your kids are around and you don't want them to have some of the drugs. I, I mean, that's the most polite way to... I mean, yeah. Yeah, you want to keep it out of sight. Uh, hidden away if the police were to happen to stop by you want to make sure that's not obvious i I don't know i this isn't clearly my culture either i what would you put in a stash box probably my ken griffey jr rookie card oh and my walter payton rookie card nice what would you put in your stash box uh spoils from my last trip to Colorado. I don't know. Oh my. See Dame um <laughs> other news this week. I had Mrs. Planer explain this to me last night at the dinner table, the whole uh the Royals thing, the Harry, is Harry the Ginger? Is that right? I think Prince so. Harry and then Megan Markle? Megan Marmel? Yeah. Markle? Markle? Um I'm going to leave it at this. Who cares? Like yeah. literally who cares? Like I, and I asked her and I was respect. I was like, Hey, sir, I know people are talking about oh, Mrs. Planner. People are talking about this. I want to know what's going on. Cause I don't care. And then she explained it thoroughly, very thoroughly. And I was like, God, who cares? Why does anyone care? Have you seen some of the memes going around? No, about, I don't care. Know, a couple, uh, bravely vows to move out on their own after amassing $30 million. And this is, I mean, it's, there's some pretty good stuff. Yeah. People will flood you on Twitter with it now. I'm sure. Man, I just don't care. Uh, Dame, did you know Taco Bell will try paying managers $100,000 a year, but in an out Burger already pays their managers $160,000 a year. Taco Bell what? said it will start the six-figure salary pilot later this year, but did not name on an exact date. The company does not yet know how many managers at its 450 company-owned stores will get the 100K and how long will offer the higher salaries. Current salaries for general managers at Taco Bell's company-owned stores range from fifty dollars to $80,000. Dame, would you be a manager at a Taco Bell for $100,000? Uh, this is awkward. Is, is, is somebody <laughs> offering? No. Well, we don't know the exact dates and locations. Oh. Well, I, you know, we'll talk about this off the air. The six-figure salaries will make Taco Bell an outlier in the food service industry. The median salary for general uh, and operations managers in the industry was f- 59000 in 2018, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. At Burger King, restaurant managers have an average base pay of $45,000. Wow. Mm-hmm. I wonder what Chick-fil-A managers make. I mean, because they work six days, six days a week. <laughs> True. True. Here's the thing. In-N-Out Burger is delicious. The burgers are delicious. $160,000. Mm-hmm. 
Um, <laughs> they, are, they are worth everything. They'd make more if the fries were good. That's true. You know? Yeah. Did, didn't we eat it at In-N-Out Burger together once? We absolutely did. Where were did. we? I were was, in California? Uh, Arizona. Arizona. It was delicious. Was that your first trip to an In-N-Out <laughs> Burger? Oh, no, no, okay. no. I, but it, it had been uh, a solid two decades since I'd been to one, though. Uh, other uh, current events this week. Uh, there's 15 great, great summer jobs for teens. Yeah, let's see how many of these that we've had. Okay, each between okay, the two I of like us. this. Camp counselor. Have you, have you been a camp counselor? Nope. Um, I don't. I think I have in some capacity. So I'm going to go maybe golf. Golf. Well, I mean, We're, I was going to say yeah. So like basketball camp. Yes, does that count? You know, the high yeah. school basketball camps. Okay, okay. then yeah, yeah. I've golf caddy. Yes. Of yes. Who hasn't? retail salesperson yes no really nope. food service worker uh no no intern yes who hasn't been an intern have you been an intern i don't know if i actually have oh or not gosh, i need to check your resume you're not qualified lifeguard no i can't swim and i'm pasty white <laughs> no i, I have swim. not nanny no but i babysat ba- babysat that yeah. would yeah housekeeper what who wants a teen housekeeper? This starts to feel like it's who came up with this? Uh, I'm, I'm a, my dad owned a commercial janitorial business, so I did my fair share of cleaning, uh, not houses necessarily, but I, I may have had the, uh, the odd, uh, cleaning job in high school. That was my responsibility. Gardener. Entirely. You know, here's the thing. I did a lot of landscaping back in the day, but I wouldn't have called myself a gardener. That's a little intense. That's a little coastal. Hmm. Okay. No, I I have never been paid for my tutor skills. Have you ever tutored in anything? No, not as a high school kid. Did you ever? T- I o- only trying to uh, woo a young lady, maybe Im- Im- impress a, a woman, maybe. Um, computer guru. You know what? That's a great. This is the only one on this list that actually makes a lot of modern sense here. Teens just go to their grandparents' house. They they're. they're Grandparents are like, how do I get the files out of the computer? You know, one of those things. That's a good one. Exactly. What is that from Zoolander? The files are in the computer. I think so. <laughs> uh, freelance writer. I'm going to be honest. I don't want to read the writing of a teen. I, I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it's a pretty small market. Plant and pet sitter. That. That's good. I've done that, right? You've done that. Yeah, eBay sure. seller. Yeah. Uh, they're just asking for petty theft at this point. That's a pretty good one, though. Like, take, a, you know, go to your parents and be like, let's clean out this space and I'm going to sell it on eBay and I'll split the proceeds with you. Yes. I don't think I've ever oh sold Oh my gosh, I used to eBay. sell stuff all the time. Bought stuff, but I don't think I've ever. Oh, you know what? I have. Uh, uh, yeah, I have. I totally um, do people keep that stuff in their stash box? Uh, way too big. There were a set of wheels. Here's the other thought with a stash box. You must have to take the drugs pretty seriously if you have a $199 stash box in which you could use that $199 to buy more of the drugs. But if it's hermetically sealed and it keeps odors out, you then could potentially travel with it. More. Uh, finally, movie theater worker. I never worked at a movie theater. I didn't either. I We had one small theater in my hometown and one of my better friends and all going through school, his uncle owned it. And so 
I think I was behind the counter a couple times. You know, there's a small town, I think it's Winchester, Indiana, north northern Indiana, that their movie theater is called the Isis Theater, I-S-I-S. Oh, man, it is wildly unfortunate. That's all we have time for. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. Thanks, Dame. Uh, This is the Pete the Planner Show, and I'm Pete the Planner.